Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Dr. Mary Mass, thank you so much for uh, for joining me this morning and, and for all your kindness and advice when, when Larry and I and Michael were going through this over the holiday. Oh, it, it's my pleasure. And Dawn, I'd encourage you, you know, I, I, I'm grateful that you're willing to talk about it. And I think um, when a public figure like you does this, brings awareness to the problem. Like, you know, people are scratching their heads and they're thinking to themselves, wait a second, you know, your, your son's doctor, who uh, sounds like a very well-qualified, well-educated yes. individual, wanted you, wanted your son, Michael, right? Yes. Um, wanted Michael to get a certain medication and to be able to get a certain monitoring for, to make sure his blood sugars were, were uh, staying in the correct range. And all of a sudden, along comes your insurance company. And I, I believe you told me, wasn't he switched from one medication to another? Is yes. that correct? Yes. So that was before this. So he was on Novolog, then was changed to Humalog. And even though they're both insulin, and this is, again, a learning curve, because this is a, you know, during the pandemic, uh, this is when he was diagnosed. So it's, it's a lot of this is new to us. But he, mm-hmm. you know, he physically had to, you know, switch, you know, he had to get used to and get acclimated to a totally different insulin. And that stunk, you know, it, it just stinks that he has to get acclimated and it took a couple weeks and he's fine. But I, the question is like, why, why, what's, if he's on one medication, why do you have to switch it to another brand name? So yes, that was the well, first, first question. Yeah. So first of all, you know, um, I'm sorry. I'm sorry you're going Thank through this. You. And I think for everyone listening, this is not this is not a partisan issue because, you know, disease doesn't discriminate. Yeah. Everyone can get diabetes. Right. Mm-hmm. And it, like, actually, when you look at like some of the, the levers that are getting pulled to allow companies to have the power to make these decisions, I, I think we all better get used to the idea that <laughs> it, it's a, an across the aisle problem, the solutions. So um, your, it wasn't your doctor then, I'm guessing, that told you that you couldn't have medication, you know, one medication and made you switch to another, correct? No, uh, absolutely not. The doctor did not say that. Uh, the doctor initially went with the Novolog and then switched it to the Humalog. So when I, you know, what? so then what happens is I initially call the doctor, the doctor's office, and she's an endocrinologist with... Children's Hospital and has decades of experience. She's wonderful. And in fact, 
bent over backwards and said, okay, we'll switch everything. Because not only do you have to switch over to the insulin that, that goes along with Humalog, there's a lot then that goes with that that's compatible with it. And so it was, this, it was an ordeal. The doctor did everything that she, you know, ha- had to prior authorize and blah, 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 blah. We got that straightened out. That was something that happened prior to then last week when we got the shock that the company, after making a switch, the medication, now saying they're not going to cover, you know, half of the stuff. And that was part of the shock as well. And yeah, to your point about the doctor, this was not the doctor's call at all. And the doctor over the holiday <laughs> and her Thanksgiving dinner and so on was writing letters and, and her office. And I just thank them, you know, Dr. Deaver, Dr. Marine Deaver, thank you, because they were, they really were wonderful to try to expedite and do everything they could because they felt for the patient, my teenage son. So we have like two issues here and let's mm-hmm. talk about the first one, which we call it non-medical switching. It's like a patient is nice and stable and rolling along with their chronic disease, and it's a disease that you did not ask for, right? And this doesn't just happen in diabetes. This happens in patients with cancer. This happens in patients with seizures. So you might be stable on your medication with, you know, your Michael might be having great blood sugars on his initial medication, and then all of a sudden the insurance company comes along and says, nope, you got to switch to that other one over there. And then now his blood sugars are going up and down, which affects his long-term health. Yes. I mean, we all know that keeping your blood sugars stable and regular, and when you're doing everything and you're following all the medical advice that you're getting, along comes a company, a suit. You're not told by a, like, I, I always differentiate between suits and scrubs, right? Mm-hmm. You're not told by a doctor, someone wearing scrubs, what to do. You're told by some dude in a suit. And the person who's doing this behind the scenes is the person who's making up the formularies. The formularies are the lists of medications that are covered by your insurance company. And those formulary lists are made by companies called pharmacy benefit managers, PBMs. For diabetes, they also control uh, and make the lists of the devices that you're allowed to get covered as well. And remarkably, like one of the shocking things about PBMs that I like all Americans to hear is that pharmacy benefit managers are one of two uh, industries in America that are allowed to accept kickbacks. Isn't that shocking? Wow. They, they have an exemption from the anti-kickback statute. It was granted to them in 2003 by the then secretary of HHS. And, you know, we're, we're on a show that tends to lean right, but at that time that person was a Republican. Yeah. So I'm, I'm pretty fair here. Yeah. You know, don't do dumb things, you know, and then you don't deserve to be called out for them. But, um, Think about what this means. This means that in order to get onto the formulary, you pay a kickback or you can pay a kickback because it's legal. I mean, in any other industry, it would be illegal. They call those kickbacks rebates. So like if you pull up pharmacy benefit managers, you hear rebate and it's not a rebate at all. I mean, rebate makes you think that the medication is coming to the patient, right? But in fact, it looks as though that with medications, the pharmacy benefit managers have soaked up most of the rebates for themselves. And we can see this in two ways. Um, So everyone talks about Mark Cuban and his cost plus drugs. Yes. Mark Cuban just cut out the PBMs and, People go and order, you know, a, a Mark 
their drug from Mark Cuban's cost plus drugs. And now they're paying far less because he cut out the PBMs. Cut out the middleman. So the P- yes, he cut out so the middleman there. So that's one way in which we know that the PBMs are making a lot of money. Another way that we know that the PBMs are money makers, the PBMs have um, in recent years now uh, merged vertically with insurance companies. You know, most people don't realize this either, but your United Healthcare, they own Optum, the PBM. And, you know, uh, that's, I guess they, they merged with them in 2011. And then after that point, I think people realized how much money PBMs were making. So kind of all the insurance companies wanted to own one. So uh, CVS Caremark merged with Aetna in 2018. Cigna purchased Express Scripts, one of the other three big PBMs, uh, in I think that was 2019. When Cigna purchased Express Scripts, their revenues tripled. That tells you yeah. that those, that's the other like clue that we have, that these PBMs are big money makers. And we know the rebates are part of, of the answer as to where they're making money. And the rebates are also responsible, we believe, many of us believe, that that's the incentive to get yourself on the formulary. If you're the pharmaceutical company, yeah. you pay the rebate, and then your drug ends up on the formulary. Another interesting thing that has been discovered, although it's all hidden because there's very little transparency about the PBM money that flows around. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing that's very interesting is that the, the cost of the rebate is tied to the cost of the drug. So the insurance companies are perversely incentivized to pick an expensive drug. And I just want to give you a headline, and this is Forbes, and this headline just out, United Health Group to Eclipse, $400 billion dollars in revenue next year i mean the these the revenues that they're hauling in and generating yearly revenues are like nothing we've ever seen before and i think this is this is no coincidence with you know when we tie all this together no and and like tie it in a little bit more what's really frightening when you're in the medical uh, landscape the insurance companies are not only you know, purchasing these PBMs, when they started to, when people started turning their sights onto PBMs, and people in Congress tell me, like, you know, they're now the personal pinatas of Congress. Like, everyone's <laughs> looking to do something on the PBMs, and that's a good thing. So, like, you know, awareness is good. And I will say it's even happening across the aisle. You know, so the, the more recent uh, stuff that's been going on is now people are looking to decouple the cost of, the, of those kickbacks with the cost of the drug. So in other words, you're not allowed to, you have to keep the, you can't tie it to the cost of the drug. You can't have the perverse incentive of having to pick an expensive drug because what does that do to the patients with chronic disease like Michael and people with cancer and Mm -hmm. people with, um, you know, seizures and other uh, other medical problems that they can't help? That means that those patients with chronic disease are the ones paying the higher co-pays, out-of-pocket costs, Etc. because they're paying for a more expensive drug because it's usually a percentage of the cost of the drug. And that's a big problem for anyone who's going along in their life and then suddenly hit with a chronic disease. Yeah. Uh, so now this decoupling, uh, it's a really good thing that they're, they're talking about, I think. Yes. It's, it's, it's at least better than most of the things that are going on. There's a bill in the Senate 
Uh, it was introduced by Wyden, who's a Democrat, uh, Crapo, who's a Republican. Um, Menendez is in there. Senator Marshall's in there. Uh, and then there's one in the House that was introduced by Nola Meeks, who's a physician from Iowa, but includes um, a Spanberger and some others. Like, these are Democrats and Republicans mm-hmm. that are actually getting Hi, together and realizing, yes, we have to do something about this. Um, but the other problem is, is that these large companies, like the three that we talked about that are mm-hmm. owned by large insurance companies, the three big PBMs, Optum, uh, CBS Caremark, and Express Scripts, which are owned by three of the big insurance companies, they're also finding other ways that they're getting together and vertically integrating. Optum. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Employs more physicians than any other company in America. So they own the provider services too. That's really frightening. I mean, CVS has their minute clinic. So imagine how this looks in real time. You know, you have a minute clinic, patients come into your minute clinic, you're perversely incentivized to have your prescriber who's in the minute clinic, the per, you know, because now sometimes you're, you, sometimes you're seeing a physician, sometimes you're seeing a mid-level provider. It's whoever the minute clinic, you know, pushes you towards or whoever they have employed in there. What's mm-hmm. to stop them from saying, okay, we want you to pick this medication that's on our formulary, and it's an expensive medication because it makes them more money with the rebate system. And, you know, your, your insurance company might have made you go or incentivized you to go to the Minute Clinic with zero copay before you went to another person who was providing care. You might have a doctor for 40 years and all of a sudden they'll be like, well, zero copay to go to this minute clinic here and, you know, a hundred dollar copay for a doctor. You're incentivized to go to the minute clinic, but how can you trust what that person in the minute clinic is telling you to do? And I just want to put this in perspective, a couple of things, because I believe that United Healthcare is, I believe it runs the, the nation's largest private Medicare Advantage insurance plan or one of them, but I believe they run the nation's largest is that 
does that sound um, you know familiar to you, Dr. Mass? Yes, it does. And then the other piece of it is that I was looking up, you know, just to put a little perspective and zoom out for a second. United Health Group is the biggest conglomerate for healthcare in our country based on market cap and revenue, and it's even bigger than J.P. Morgan's, Morgan Chase, the nation's largest bank. To me, when, when I look at that and I think, wow, these conglomerates, to your point, they're all combining, then on top of it, just within, so we were going through this last week, so my husband Larry and I, we were looking everything up about what's going on with the healthcare industry. There's a connection back to the Affordable Care Act. In fact, I started out the week by playing uh, Elizabeth Warren, <laughs> Senator Warren, who's who's calling some of this out, good for her, as well as you said. There's bipartisan support on this, people saying, whoa, what's going on here? Um, because there are all these lawsuits and these allegations of, some of the allegations are that they're using AI, artificial intelligence, to just routinely deny, deny, deny something like 90% of claims. That's one. That's just a, one of the piece of this. There are so many different lawsuits and allegations out there. Um, what do you say about that, as well as the fact that this very well could be rooted in the Affordable Care Act, ultimately, that we need to... We knew that we had to tweak it back when it was created. Is this is this more of that that it, that the ACA, in fact, needs to be tweaked even more? Well, what I'll say is, is it's the laws create unintended consequences. So, uh, what Elizabeth Warren was talking about, and there was a piece in the Wall Street Journal done mm-hmm. by the editorial board that brought up something called the medical loss ratio. Medical loss ratio stated that large insurance companies had to spend eighty five percent of what they pulled in from their premiums, right? Like, you know, so the amount that they make you pay to uh, be a member of that insurance company, the premium part, right? They had to pay 85% of the premiums to patient care or to quality measures. But in 2011, so Affordable Care Act passed in 2010, the insurance companies, they're, they're not stupid. <laughs> it, United Healthcare. Optum in 2011, a year after the Affordable Care Act, whatever money Optum brings in doesn't count towards that medical loss ratio. So over time, the other insurance companies realized, hey, if we can get in on this game and we can own a pharmacy benefit manager, at least I'm trying to guess what they're thinking, if if you don't mind me Mm -hmm. saying. If we own a pharmacy benefit manager, then that doesn't count towards the medical loss ratio. The medical loss ratio sounds great. Oh, the insurance companies have to pay out all this money in you know, they have to pay a higher percentage in uh, in patient care that only leaves 15% for them to pay off all their mm-hmm. administrative, right? You know, right. So, like, if you're, a, if you're the person at the top of the insurance company, like, you know, making this great big salary, like, it was, it was an attempt to try to decrease the salary for insurance company executives. Well, did it work? Of course not, because yes. <laughs> they merged with the PBMs. And now they can take that profit, you know, and as I just mentioned, you know, when you're uh, Cigna and you buy Express Scripts and your revenues triple, now you have a different revenue stream that you can send towards your CEO. You know, you, you may be 85% of your profits from your, uh, your premiums, the premiums that you collected, went towards patient care, but you can take the money that you get from owning your PBM and you can funnel that towards your executive salaries. 
And then what do you do? You can turn around and you can lobby, lobby, lobby to keep your control in this very vertically integrated system. So you own the insurance company, you own the place where patient care is happening, you own the PBM. In some cases, like CVS, you own the pharmacy. And then now you're you're able to take some of that money and lobby towards what you want. And uh, actually, if you take a look, the lobby group for the pharmacy benefit managers, it's called PCMA, uh, Pharmaceutical Care Management Association. Like most people might just look up the PBMs and look at their lobby right. money, but we can't see it because it's all hidden in PCMA, mm-hmm. who has spent $10 million in 2023. Of course they have, because now everyone has a PBM bill and, you know, their lobbyists are all running around Capitol Hill trying to convince everyone that they save money. Yeah. And that was my next question about trend. I'm sorry. (laughs) Is it working? Are they saving you money? Yeah. Well, they're making themselves a lot of money, it would appear, and good for them. But, you know, I think, especially when I look at a tough economy, which obviously we're in, Yesterday, I was listening just to a, a business channel, um, just on a national level, talking about the R-word recession. And, and these are tough times. There's no question, inflation, et cetera. At the same time, we're seeing all these switches and higher prices and all of that. And so, yeah, my, my question is, for transparency, there's no guarantee of transparency. It's really tough to look this stuff up. And as well, thinking about transparency, I think most people, you think... When you go to the Optum, like you mentioned, you think that they're an advocate for you. You, most people, I don't think, realize, patients don't realize that these so-called middlemen are actually working in cahoots with the insurance company. They're not working for you. Oh, 100% not. And now let's layer on, like, you know, some of the shady revolving door stuff that happened. Mm-hmm. Um, Optum's IT, uh, arm. It, it used to be called Nginx. Yeah. And uh, Nginx got, uh, got nailed for fraud in New York. And at the time that they got nailed for fraud, they were being run by a man named Andy Slavitt, a former Goldman Sachs uh, executive. So, you know, he, he comes into Nginx, he's running their healthcare IT arm, and they get nailed for fraud. So they rebranded themselves as an arm of Optum. And then Andy actually ended up running CMS eventually uh, under Obama. Isn't that remarkable? I mean, like, you know, what a coincidence. You're, you're, you're hit for fraud, and then there you are, and you show up, like, working for the government. Of course you do. <laughs> and, you know, like, you can, you can take a look. He's a very powerful man in healthcare. Uh, but it, it's like, wait a second. It, if you're hit up doing something fraudulent, Shouldn't you be the person that's not hired by the government? Yeah. I mean, you would think, I don't know how this stuff happens. Yeah, and, you know, you just think about the impact of artificial intelligence on the future of insurance, which is impact, it's going to impact all of us, right? And and that's my concern here, these lawsuits and these different investigations, whistleblowers, we're seeing them come forth as well. And, and when you look at the big picture on that, the claim here is that the AI is just the, they're just deny, deny, deny because of the algorithms, et cetera, to deny. That's what was happening to me. And so ultimately it just, I, I'm not exaggerating. I spent at least 12 hours 
on the phone back and forth. You know what I mean? And that's probably not counting everything, just trying to get through and get things done so that my son could get the medication that he needed. And a lot of people may just give up and, and say, well, I'll pay out of pocket or I'll go to some other last resort or maybe not take my medication. And I feel like that's what they're banking on. The key word, transparency, because without it, we're not going to have trust. And um, before I got dropped from the call, Dawn, you were talking about the hours that you spent. And it, it's awful. You know, in, as physicians, we talk about um, the public hears the word burnout more frequently. But a lot of us in medicine talk about something called moral injury. You know, it, it's really awful to be that physician and to have gone through the training. Like, I, I think about what your son, what Michael's endocrinologist went through, mm-hmm. you know, four years of medical school after four years of college, three years of pediatric residency, and then additional three years of endocrine training. They're telling you what your son needs, and they're not able to easily get it for yeah. you. And I, I totally respect your, you know, 12 hours of uh, work that you put in, but the average physician's office is spending 14 hours a week on prior offs. I mean, there's some physician offices that are hiring three and four staffers to just do the prior offs. And I, I don't mean to complain for us because it's always more stressful when you're the patient and your health is threatened. But, you know, ask yourself, when that person has to advocate for me mm-hmm. and has to try to get me what I need or what my son needs, now what do they have in their way? They have everyone else's prior offs yeah. as well. You know, so they've only gone up over time. And then with more money and more control in the hands of these middlemen who are owned by the insurance companies and they're, they're denying the most ridiculous things. I've seen prior offs for medications that are standard of care. You know, doxycycline is the standard of care for Lyme disease. I had to do a prior authorization for doxycycline at one point. That's crazy. That's what everyone recommends and it's cheap. I mean, but if the insurance company denies that, and then the other thing that's really interesting I've asked this question, and even like senators in Congress that are on this issue don't know how to answer it. Mm-hmm. Who's getting paid in the insurance company for doing the prior off? The insurance company can say that that's a quality measure, right? So it's part of that 85% of the medical loss ratio that they're spending towards. They can even say that it goes towards patient care. They're, they're paying executives to do the prior offs. What's that money trail look like? And meanwhile, in your friendly neighborhood doctor office, they're having to pay staffers to fight it. And then that gives them less time to be able to go advocate for it. Yes. I mean, after, you know, and God love your doctor for spending their Thanksgiving you know, yes. dinner helping you. And, and that's what most that's of amazing. us do when, when we're faced with it. But um, the other problem becomes, and it's the moral injury of, when you're the doctor, you're the one that's actually facing the patient and telling them, hey, can't get you what you need. Yeah. I'll go try. It's Truthfully, it's really embarrassing. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, re- I hope we continue the conversation. And, you know, I've reached out to different individuals who are on those important committees, not just here in Pennsylvania, but on Capitol Hill, because I think we have to try to raise the awareness level and I think also what's raising the the awareness level is, you know, these re- fairly recent lawsuits that were just filed um, claiming that in, in particular United Healthcare, but there are other ones too who are accused of this. And the sad part of it 
is, you know, and you talked about advocacy, is that the ones who suffer most are senior citizens or especially elderly folks that might might not have the ability to advocate for themselves and maybe they don't have an advocate. Maybe their family lives further away. And that's, you know, what, I, what I'm really concerned about is how many people are just being denied and then they're just not getting their medication. These lawsuits claim that people actually died because they didn't get the medication that their doctor said they needed. So that's a very serious side of all of this. Yeah, no, it's 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 really terrible. I mean, and and but you're right. You know, the elderly who don't have someone to help them, but you know, there's there's actually families who are suing insurance companies on behalf of their relatives. Uh, there's been a couple cases in breast cancer. They didn't receive treatments that uh, physicians thought could help. The patient sadly and tragically passes away. And then the insurance company denied. And, like, I'll actually remind you, too, like, these insurance companies, who's holding them legally accountable? Right. Yeah, you shouldn't have to hire a lawyer. So so, true. Right. I mean, but, like, they become so enormous and powerful, and they're running the show. And, you know, although some would say, all right, well, the answer is Medicare for all. That will fix everything. I mean, who do you think runs some of the government's, yep. you know, uh, the government-run health care? Yep. I mean, Medicaid is very often run and administrated by these very big insurance companies. Mm-hmm. And then you have to start taking a look at, like, groups that you consider patient advocacy organizations. You just brought up the elderly. Go take a look, and we can talk about this another time. The AARP. Mm-hmm. They don't make as much money off of their membership as they do off of their cozy little deal that they have with United Healthcare hawking those Medicare Advantage plans. And how many people actually know that? So the transparency is so necessary. Dr. Mary Mass, I do hope we can continue the conversation moving forward. Thank you so much for dedicating so much time and explaining all of this. And we really appreciate you shining a light on it. Thank you. Well, thank you for bringing it up and, you know, keep on raising awareness and best to Michael. And you. Uh, you can always reach out. If you can't get him what he needs, I can offer you um, a couple like places that you can go look. And actually, I'll mention right now, uh, someone should, anyone listening that's having trouble with their chronic disease patients, uh, you could take a look at uh, Patients Rising Now. That's a national organization that helps people get their medications when, when they and supplies when they have uh, trouble with uh, insurance companies and PBMs, the great PBM fighters. Patients rising now. Thank you so much, Dr. Mass. Appreciate you. My pleasure. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? 
Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact. So jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.